I think really did create for me a healing process and, and more than he, more than in addition to healing an integration process, which I didn't appreciate until after the fact. And now when I pick up my own book to get ready to read a section or I use it as a resource in my own life, um, I just appreciate all the wisdom that people entrusted in me to steward into the world. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, Berenice Smith from Walking Our Shoes, and me, Michael Hughes from Married and Childless. If this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the childless not-by-choice community, and our aim is to be a focal point for that community, and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief and the issues specific to us. And by example, show that a full and happy life can be had without those children we dearly wanted. This episode, we have the absolutely lovely Kate Kaufman as our guest. So hello everyone, thanks for listening. You're back with the Full Stop podcast. Uh, It's with me, Sarah, and with Michael. Um, Unfortunately, we're missing Berenice today. She's got um, some sort of mission going on with a a jab. So uh, it's just us today. So we are joined today by Kate Kaufman who is the author of Do You Have Kids? Life When the Answer is No. Um, It's a brilliant book looking at how people um, navigate life when the answer is no. And that's basically our community. So I'm gonna read a little bit out from Kate's website about who she is and what she's about. So Kate is fascinated by how those who don't have children crafted their lives. There are no navigation charts for life outside the mainstream of motherhood or fatherhood for that matter. Kate got her first inkling how different life as a non-mum can be after she and her former husband abandoned infertility treatments, quit their corporate jobs and moved from a suburb into an excellent school district to a rural community to raise sheep. Hmm, That's one to ask you about. Everyone in the country seemed to have kids, so began her quest for identity as a non-mum in a culture high on family. Since 2012, Kate has talked intimately with hundreds of North American women who don't have children, ranging in age from 24 to 91. She's relentless in her search for pertinent data about not having kids in both the academic and popular press. Kate has also had the privilege of speaking about the child-free and childless with organisations such as AARP, the Oregon Community Foundation, and several colleges, universities, and retirement communities. Kate has an MFA in creative writing from the Northwest Institute of Literary Arts, an MA in management and a BA in psychology. Flipping heck, Kate, <laughs> you've been busy. <laughs> as well as professional background in corporate staffing, training and consulting. So yeah, welcome, Kate. It's lovely to have you on. Thank you. It's fabulous to be here. Yeah, really, really, really nice to talk to you, Kate. Oh, yeah. Can't we- wait. <laughs> we've been putting the world to rights talking about all sorts haven't we while we're waiting for Michael to crank his computer back up and join us but so tell us a bit about yourself Kate for those that um haven't heard about your book or have not heard about you well it's so it, it's so fun to hear your introduction because I think about all of the all of the shifts and the changes that have happened even in the short year and a half since my book has come out um 
And it's doing exactly what I had hoped that it would do. It's doing what I went on a quest for, which was to have a better sense of how life might unfold because we spend so much time talking about or trying to avoid the why question. And my interest is in the how question. And I think that really is the key to being able to build more bridges. And I want to, um, I want to acknowledge and cop to and apologize to all of the male gender um, and all and all of for not including them in my book. I have been taken to task repeatedly for it. And I am so pleased um, about the band of brothers and the work that is being done um, uh, by Robin and others on the male side of the equation. Because my, my approach to that was that the guys have a whole other thing and that's not my work to do. And I connected originally with, with uh, exclusively women, though now it certainly is opening up to not just women who don't have kids, but to women and men who do and women and men who don't and all the in-betweens. Wow. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting, Kate, because us blokes don't talk very well anyway. So you might have gotten, you may not have got any, any data for your, for your book or very hard to extract it. Oh, now that was very interesting. I was on a, on a flight um, once talking about this and the fellow took me to task again for not including men. And then he's, and I said, well, it's man's work to do. He goes, do you think we'll talk to each other? You're out of your mind. I'd rather talk to an older woman <laughs> with white hair and, uh, <laughs> which was a very fascinating thing too, to hear. So that's yeah. eye opening, isn't it? Cause like Michael, I, I sort of imagine chaps find it hard to talk about that and be, you know, self-examine it that way. Yeah, and, and it is, it is, even in the clan of brothers, it, it, we, we don't talk that much about, you know, childlessness. We talk around that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk about what we're up to so we can identify with each other from what we do rather than what we are, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And I think that's why that plug in with how things unfold becomes a, a safer place to have the conversation because it's pretty easy to go oh yeah so I was at work and what happened oh I was invited to another you know baby event um, and then you can talk about how the baby event happened and back into who we are and how it mm. impacts us. So it's a great title for the book, you know, Do You Have Kids? Because I think that's one of the biggest, uh, Jody calls them bingos. You know, when someone just walks in and it's kind of that lazy, lazy conversation starter, isn't it? And it's kind of like a big trigger for us. Is there, does it kind of represent a journey for you in terms of how you've shifted? Oh, very much. And I, I, will, I will say, because it's among us, that this was the third or the fourth title. Um, because books kept getting published, which is the good news, under some prior titles. Otherhood was the first one. Second one was um, uh, Other Than Mother. Oh, and then my favorite one was Unapparent. And the publisher said, no, no, that's too, it's very clever. But unless you know what the book's about, it doesn't make sense. So the title, Do You Have Kids?, 
life when the answer is no is intended to be more provocative and to, to really go into that controversial question, which I think is a horrible question mm -hmm. um, because we all get it over and over for the rest of our lives. And when the answer is no, it's the, it's, it stops, which I do wanna say, I always stopped when the question came or I would say something like, and tried and it didn't work out and that stopped. I mean, we, we all have our, our things that we tried. And I think because we're the ones who know the answer to the question, it's, I think it's our job to figure out how we want to broach it that honors where we are at any given point in time and to have like a ready little satchel full of responses that allow us to do what we need to do to take care of where we are and decide how we wanna keep the conversation going. Are we ready to open up about some things? Do we want to ask, ask them if they know anybody who doesn't have kids? Do we wanna, how do we wanna deal with it next? So that also is really interesting to me. Yeah, I wrote a blog about this not so long ago actually about all the different responses you can have basically ranging from um, basic launching at somebody for being so, you know, invasive in terms of their questioning to, um, and I, I can't take credit for this one, this wasn't mine, but someone said, you know, as a woman, if you turn around and say, well, not that I know of, you get this little pause and then you're in, <laughs> change the subject. And I love that. And I've used it extensively when I felt, oh, actually, I'm feeling really uncomfortable with this line of questioning, not that I know of, and then you can... <laughs> you can divert that conversation very quickly. So have you got any top tips around that question well, that you've experienced? Yeah, let me, let, me, let me respond to that, but I'm curious what Michael's reaction oh, is yeah. to hearing that. Because men I know get, you know, have that, oh yeah, you, you'll never really know, right? Like snicker, snicker. Um, I, I was just, I was actually a bit, bit of, um, when you were talking about that, I was just, rather thinking sort of internalizing about how I've dealt with it in the past mm. um, and I have this I have this angel and devil sit either side of me and it it depends on how the uh, how the conversation's going so if if I'm feeling left out if I'm feeling the these the guys I'm talking to are just a bunch of assholes you know, I, I, I will usually say something like, "No, just just leave it as a no." But if if I feel that I'm comfortable with a group of guys and they may be receptive to listening to my story, I will say, "Sadly, no." After you know, sadly, no, and we tried for a long time, and I leave that open. Um, and some people engage with that, some people don't. On the whole, if um, if I'm with a if I'm with a bunch of women, the, the questions will come after that. If I'm with a bunch of blokes, usually in a large group, it would just be silence, um, because well, that's just the way us guys deal with it. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's with one or two very close people that you know, there could be a friendship developed, then it may you know follow on. But on the whole, nothing ever goes further than, you know, my initial response. I like how you said that you gauge where you are 
um, and with whom you are to choose from the options that we have when we're prepared we know we have options when we get it and we're not prepared then it's like oh you know then we're sitting in the midst of that emotional state um so to answer to answer your question sarah it's like i have a range well now now it's actually delightful my answer is no i don't and i wrote a book about how it impacts life have you ever had any conversations like that and then poof i'm off to the races and my publisher's going yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> We'd hope that you would do. Um, but before I had that wonderful crutch, um, I, I really would try to gauge it to myself. I would either say something like, no, I don't. Um, and then I would try to shift the conversation to something I actually cared about or would say, I don't. And it's actually quite a bit different than I thought it might be. And then, and then I ask them if they know anybody else. Um, that seems to be really full because then we're talking about talking about it rather than doing it directly and then that, that avoids that why part of it which I truly don't think it's anybody's it's nobody's business and if I'm not enjoying the people say in back in a in a more um, social situation I'll, I'll just say no I don't and then excuse myself if I need to in the beginning oh my goodness when I was uh, you mentioned that that uh, we stopped infertility treatments and the issue was with me. I would excuse myself and hope to get to the to the ladies' room before I start crying. Now it's because it's something that I am so interested in, and every single conversation, whether it's with someone who doesn't have kids, which is like talk about a bingo. That's like a yay. I'm talking to someone who doesn't have kids. Now we can actually have a real conversation. And when it happens with parents, I feel like I'm equipped now well enough to be able to actually go into it more deeply in a way that without the, without me going vulnerable by including my own experience, then I wouldn't get that. But when I go vulnerable, then it's like, usually people will meet me in some way, shape or form in that vulnerability based on where I end up going with it. Um, so it might be, have you ever had, a, if it's someone who has kids, like, did you ever imagine what your life might've been like had you not? And I included this in the book, but there was a conversation I had with my mom and this would have been, oh, maybe 15 years ago. And we we're driving along in the car and I have, I have three younger sisters, all of whom have a couple of kids. So she's a multi, was a multi-grandmother. She's no longer here. And I asked her that question and it was like, she was, she was driving and I said, so mom, did you ever think about what your life would be like if you hadn't had us? And it's like, oh yeah, I would have gone on for a graduate degree in English literature and I would have been a professor and, blah, blah, blah. and she starts talking on and just like, you could just see her getting all animated. And then all of a sudden she looks over at me and she goes, but that doesn't mean I didn't want you and your kids. I mean, and you and your sisters. And I said to her, mom, this is, this is wonderful for me to hear you talk like that. It, it shows that you have some potential insights into what my life might be like and can understand me a little bit better. 
And that was by far my moment. I didn't particularly get along. That was the best conversation we've ever had. And now that she's no longer here, it gives me a great deal of comfort. And I haven't reflected on that for a while. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's mm. a, like a connection I never had with my mum because my mum was, she was having kids and that was it really, you know, from a young age. I mean, from when the point that I turned 20, 23, I would get reminders, well, at your age, I had you. And it's like, hmm, my life was never going to go that way. So that must have been such a nice, such comforting experience. Well, it was. An, and your comment brings up something that when I was doing all the interviews for, for my book, I made myself transcribe I, with their permission, I recorded everything. And I made myself transcribe the conversations um, to be able to then fold into the different parts of the book that goes through the full life cycle and says, you know, here's the impacts on work, friendship, family, all the way through to end of life planning. But by doing the recordings and transcribing them, I come from a background in human resources. And so interviewing was something that I was, was, that was my profession. And I heard in the conversations places where I went quickly into the space between us to ask another question instead of giving the person the chance. I could hear that someone had something more to say. And so like you're doing with me, giving the silence just a beat or two beyond that which was comfortable for me, almost always the person would go to something that then we could develop further and you could tell had much more meaning for them. And then the other part of it was having been brought up professionally as, a, as an, uh, an interviewer who knew what was areas that were not legal to go into I learned that I needed to retrain my whole self to go into those areas that in fact I had to avoid um, in my professional life. So, yeah. So silence, I think becomes important. So Kate, be silent for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to, um, to hear, how did, how did you deal with um, transcribing everyone's story? Because I would imagine in in the interview itself there would have been a connection you know you had with your interviewee but then when you're you know at your computer listening to the story rather than engaging in it um was that very taxing for you oh my gosh i have never been asked that question and and let let me sit with that for a second um Each and every conversation that I had, at the end of the conversations, and this is regardless if I used the material or not, the people I spoke with thanked me for asking. And I'm getting choked up even remembering this because they would also say, I've never been asked. And, and, and I talked to people in their 20s to their 90s, as you mentioned. But to know that I had opened a door for them to share their story, 
was so was so impactful to me in my life. And I realized that in just saying this to you, that that's what set me up now to be on this mission, to open the doors to communication and, and to bridge, to bridge the not knowing with getting something that we know. So listening to the conversations again, um, and then writing and, and making conclusions and all, I think really did create for me a healing process and, and more than he, more than in addition to healing an integration process, which I didn't appreciate until after the fact. And now when I pick up my own book to get ready to read a section or I use it as a resource in my own life, um, I just appreciate all the wisdom that people entrusted in me to steward into the world. Um, yeah. Wow, that's actually quite a, that's a, I, I really like that. Yeah, that's amazing what that, the way that you've uh, vocalized that. That's, um, we might have to use that in the beginning of the podcast, I think. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, know, I might need a sec to just kind of let that. <laughs> That's all right. So, so okay, just to take us off off track, just a touch. Sheep. Where where did you raise sheep? <laughs> oh, thank you for asking about sheep. Okay, so I told you I was a corporate person, and you know I had my little briefcase and all that stuff, and would you know do the morning commute. Um. It was a very odd choice to go from the suburbs into a rural community. And the property that we ended up with um, was in an agricultural deferral. And I won't go through all of the all of the logistics of that, but we needed to do agriculture. Of course, it makes perfect sense. And the original intent was to grow wine grapes, which was, no, we chose not to do that. And because we had a lot of pasture land um, we could either mow it or we could get in somebody that would eat it and turn it into something else and oh yeah I, i'd forgotten this part too i ended up working with uh, one of the university extensions to put on a again for my own purposes oh my god i'm so self-serving a small a, a small event over a weekend called small farming in oregon and one of the presenters there was, was raising sheep. It's like, oh, that would be interesting. And I ended up talking to the woman afterwards. And she said, oh, yeah, well, I could, I could give you a couple of pregnant ewes if you'd like. You know, I paid her a very nominal amount because there's no money really to be had in raising sheep. But so that started it. And I ended up with these. We had, we got, actually, we got two, it doesn't matter. So they had, they had their lambs and it became, I was so excited during lambing. I still, I still crave the sense and the smell and the experience of being with these little teeny lambs and they're the size of human babies and to be involved in that intimately in the birthing process. Um, and I had been to two uh, human births prior to doing the, the animal births. And, it was, I loved raising sheep. And at the, in the end, we had 
bummer lambs, which means that their their mothers were no longer there, died, or were not um, creating milk. I mean, it's the same thing as with humans. It's the whole the whole experience. Um, but we had had to raise them in the shower in our mudroom, and you know, get up in the middle of the night and do the the feedings, the bottle feedings, and all of that. And it was it 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 was a really um, it was a remarkable experience. And in fact, I've volunteered um, to help some other sheep herders that I know um, with lambing when I can go travel again. So. Wow. So where, where did you do that? Whereabouts in Oregon? Um, in, in rural Oregon, uh, Yamhill County. Uh, yeah. Outside okay, of the, was, the, re the reason I, the reason I ask is because um, a road trip down the west coast of the States uh, some years ago. So um, we've been to Astoria, Portland, um, Crater Lake. Hang, hang on, I've got to make sure. Is Crater Lake in? Yes, yeah. In Oregon. Yep. Okay. There you go. Crater Lake. So, um, and then down well, the coast. Rats, you could have stopped by. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I'm holding you to it. <laughs> this list of people that I'm going to visit is getting longer and longer. I love it. Michael and Vicky's world tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that goes to the point about this worldwide community now that we're all plugged into. It occurred to me the other day, it's like, wait a minute, I know people all over the world now hmm. that some of them I've spoken with live, some of them I just know of, some of them know of me and have reached out to me. And I feel like we're at like a, a tipping point. There's so much good work that's coming out, whether it's books or publications or podcasts or, or communities that um, I really feel like that whole thing about stigmas and stereotypes and how they have been so sticky and they won't change. And that we're, you know, if we tried to have kids or we wanted kids and we're, people are filled with pity and, you know, the disdain and, and all of that stuff, um, that we really are getting to the point where our, I consider us a demographic, where our demographic is right on the, we're just like this little tip of the iceberg of being known that I just find really exciting and I'm really grateful for the work that you guys are doing and that all of us are doing really to say, we are all here. I mean, if we make up 15 to 20% across the board, I mean, I tried to figure out what was another demographic that was 15 to 20%. It's not very satisfying, but if you take the percentage of people that have blue plus green, you know, blue or green eyes, that's about 20%. So, you know, there's problems with that, but still, it's a lot of people. That certainly is. It's huge, huge amount. When you put it like that, it's like, wow. Everybody knows someone who has blue or green eyes, probably. Yeah, or you've seen right. pictures or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's green. Wow. I suppose like the title of your book really is, is about making us visible, isn't it? And bridging that gap between, uh, I guess, parents and non-parents. You know, there's a whole other world that you're not aware of if you're a parent, isn't it? And it's about, hello, we're here. I love you said that and that's reminding me of a a guy that I have known for a number of years. And when 
when my book came out, he actually spirited it away from his wife who was reading it. And he cornered me the next time I saw him and he goes, Kate, Kate, this is so fascinating. I work with people. I have people that work for me that don't have kids. And I have to be honest with you, I have never really thought about what all of your lives must be like and how they're different than mine. Wow, Eric, thank you. Thank you for number one, acknowledging that. And then he just proceeded to go in to describing some of the things that stuck with him that he hadn't considered before. His best friend doesn't have kids and he had never had a conversation with him. My best friend uh, chose not to have kids and we never had a conversation about it until actually, until the book came out because she was uncomfortable talking about it because she didn't want to make me feel bad. And now it's like, well, yes, it's like grief. It is grief. You go through the whole cycles of grief. And then, and then it's, it, it's like the reasons why start to fall away. And that's something why I'm really, I'm starting to own my elderhood. Crone, Jody, I know likes the word crone. I'm still kind of uh, chewing along the edges of that one. Um, but that's what our work is. That's what our job is. Yeah. Mm. I, I like to think of it um, in, in a way that uh, there's going to be people after us. So we, we, we as a community need to, yeah, I, I think it's incumbent on us all to, to add back in so that we can make it easier for those that come after us. Yes. And that goes that goes as to underscore that whole point of vulnerability. A light bulb that went off for me is, okay, wait, in any kind of an interaction with another person, if there's gonna be any depth at all, other than you know superficial levels, somebody goes at risk first to become vulnerable. And, and that's why when I talk to my contemporaries and I'm in my, in my mid sixties right now, um, I say to them, that's our job. That's our job of being good elders is opening up and making ourselves vulnerable for exactly the reason you say, Michael, so that the people that are coming behind us on this path that we're all on together, just we're all at different places and have different views. Um, that's how we open it up and to, mm. to to have the to have the boldness to go first in whatever way again is appropriate for where we are. And I mentioned my my best friend. Um, I I have been I have been shocked, frankly, at how much value I have gleaned, which I could not have gleaned earlier, but now I can, from those who characterize themselves as child free. And in fact probably a little controversial to say, but I have just recently, you know, I can't do crone, but I'm like edging into the edges of referring to myself as child-free because now I get to have these kinds of conversations with people like you and your listeners that we're all in this together. And I couldn't have done that had I had children. I would have been a laser focused parent. I know I would have. And now I'm a I'm a broad scope person who it's like, I look around me and I see there are all these people that I can make connections with 
that want to have that connection. And all I have to do, all I need to do is open the doors, put my hand out, try. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. That's that's one of the ways that I guess um, I've I've tried to behave in that way. It's just say, look, here here I am. Um, I'm a childless. I'm, I'm part of a childless marriage. I'm a childless man. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm just going to say this is what it's like. This is how I behave. Um, and yeah, hopefully that that puts me in that 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 vulnerable state that that you'd mentioned to then um, allow others to yeah uh, gather around me or, or or be part of my life it's kind of role modeling isn't it so you know your book kind of it kind of looks at it from a different perspective what we can offer um even though we don't have children because obviously um i guess when i first became childless not by choice i my i felt my value diminished because I didn't have children. And it felt to me that society echoed that back at me, you know, that the echo chamber effect was like, you know, you're not a parent, therefore you are diminished. But your book actually switches it around and says, well, look at everything we can offer. And I guess through what you, you and Michael are talking about there and what we're doing is we're role modeling for those people that are unfortunately coming behind us. And so it makes you realize how much you have to offer, not just your community, but in bridging that gap, doesn't it really? Yes, and the fact that if we had a vision of how life was going to unfold, and then, you know, like every life, there's something that happens that was unexpected. Ours was a huge unexpected um, outcome. Um, and then you shift and you adapt and you look at what are my choices now. And that's the wisdom that in doing those interviews, it's like, I could never predict how old someone would be, what their situation in life would be. I couldn't picture anything um, to predict when someone would have some nugget and jewel that then would take, would take root in my own life. And I reflect back on conversations and then I have new conversations that just, it's like, wow, I never thought of that before. I, um, I was in a, a long marriage that ended uh, four or five years ago. And so I was faced with the having to reshuffle who, was, who did I wanna have in those roles that take care of your healthcare needs and your legal and whatever needs as you're getting older and, and after you're gone. And there was a, a woman in her late forties who I interviewed and she, she put words to it that then I just had to go take her words, put them in my mouth and say them out loud. And I was blown away that the people I started to ask, they're like, are you asking me to play a role? The answer is yes, of course I will. And I'm like, what? I was just so surprised, but had I not had those words that Kristen shared, I would have just sat there and blubbered for who knows how long or chickened out or I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You, you think about, you, you sort of reflecting there, you know, if you were a parent, you'd be this, but actually you're not, you're a childless woman, part of this massive community that we're talking about. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? And reflect on how much you change and shift as a person and how your perspective changes as you realize there are 
all of these other people out there that you can learn so much from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wrote something recently. I, I have, I'm fortunate to have a, um, a regular opportunity to make contributions to psychology today. And I got to use the unapparent name. That's the name of my, my, my little column. Um, but I went through five things your mom can't tell you about not having kids. And one of the things that makes me laugh is that, and, and I don't think I'm, I'm curious about YouTube. I, I'm, I always have to figure out how old I am. And it's like, why do I have to back into doing the math on this? And it was like this light bulb one day. It was like, oh, it's because when you don't have kids, you don't have those grounding markers. Like, oh yeah, this, I turned X age when the kid graduated from high school and Y age when college and Z age when they, Z age, when, uh, when, they, when they got married or whatever they did. And so it's like, I have no idea how old I am. And as a result, I have friends that, I'm getting a little shy in the twenties, but I have fr friends who are my friends are not my friends' kids from their thirties up to their, their nineties. And I have no idea. I mean, I don't even think about how old they are. I, it just, I like that. Actually, I was, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things I was going to ask <laughs> is because, or, or talk, talk about, because that's a question I asked those people around me when, um, Example, uh, my my niece just turned 18. So I said to my sister and my brother-in-law, how do you feel now that you've got a daughter that's 18? And they they didn't get, they, they obviously didn't get it because they're not in my space. But, oh, I feel proud. You know, I feel this. And I'm coming from exactly the same way you are, that I feel like I'm Peter Pan because... I have none of these milestones to measure my age boy. And, and I all, I'm always asking people, how did you feel about that? How did you feel about that? How did you feel about that? But I just get these blank looks like, what do you mean? It's just, that's just life. It's just, well, yeah, so yeah, that's it. But yeah, they don't see the significance in these things. So, um, and so what it did for me was, when I hit 50, I had, the, it, it was like a, uh, I can't explain it any more than, you know, um, this weight tumbled on me. Up until that time, every birthday would have been uh, an event of some sort and usually a party at our house or something like that. And then 50 was that time for me. And I, I know other people get it at different ages. And I just went, shit, I'm 50. How did that happen? Don't feel 50. I think I'm about 22, aren't I? Really? 50. And it's taken me four years because I've just recently had a birthday to go, wow, I'm I'm that age. I better start being age appropriate, I think. What does that mean? What have I got to do now? How do I behave? What do I do? Yeah, it's a bit of, it, but I, that really resonated with me, that, uh, that 0.5 really did. Yeah. Well, it, it, this is just delightful to me because to, I think, I think what we do too, if we reflect on our own lives, we can say, okay, well, so what were some of my key 
things that happened during these different decades, because that's what's composing our lives. And I've started to, back to the question about what do you say, when I find someone who doesn't have kids, it's like, oh, so what are some of the things that, that really are grabbing your attention and your passion or have in the past? And there's stuff like, oh yeah, was the, the two years that I went and uh, traveled around the world because I was doing this job and it didn't matter where I was as long as I had internet service or, oh yeah, I was in my, in my 50s and I went into the Peace Corps or, you know, just all these things. It's like, wow, I wonder if we would do these things. I know I would never have raised sheep had we had kids, never. Never. <laughs> I don't know that I'd be living in a city again had I raised kids. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. We had, we had the occasion to do that. Um, this, uh, sorry to talk about myself because it's, it's, we are talking about you, Kate. But um, <laughs> this last birthday was one of those times where I took stock of the amount of birthday wishes that came to me from around the world was absolutely, was, was really, really wonderful. But it also gave me reflection on how do I, how did I meet those people? How did I know those people? And it was, it was actually a really great time to just sit there and think about all those um, crazy people we met on a cruise on the Mediterranean. They were all around our age. Um, and the stories that come from that and it was just it was a, a really good so yeah that's how i'm measuring mine now is is you guys so kate you you've got a you've got a position in my life now where i go yeah because i talked to kate kaufman in january 2021 that was cool well okay then i'm gonna add the soundtrack to it because there's something that i sing to myself periodically um when i'm when I'm not feeling like I'm showing up or being seen. And it's a, it's the who, the who song about see me, feel me, touch me, heal me. And so it's like, that's the soundtrack is, is if we can, if we can be seen, if we can be felt, if we can be heard, then, whoa, this is pretty deep. Then we can be healed. Ta-da. And we do that through community. Um, Yes, definitely. So, that's that's maybe why that's, that's what, the theme song of the. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, we we can't pay the royalties for that. But um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez! By me singing it, does that no, you, attract no, royalties? No, 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 you're okay. <laughs> We'd have to put our houses for the royalties on that, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I think the Who owes us a thank you for putting their song back out in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but no, it's so true, isn't it? It's kind of like it's when um, when people sort of come to after the storm to work with. I give them a resource list because although it starts with us individually, part of that is reaching out for your community and knowing that you do fit somewhere, isn't it? That that feeling of not not belonging and sitting on the outside, I think is quite in part of almost like the right passage when you find out you're not gonna have a family. It's like, oh Christ, where do I fit now then? Mm -hmm. So it, community is just so important, isn't it? Finding where you mm. fit and who you're gonna be. So yeah, totally. No, de de 
definitely is. I think again, I've mentioned it many times before, but you know, I think about um, when Vicky and I first met Berenice, Steph, um, Helen, who was on the last show, mm -hmm. um, Julianne, and a, a, quite a number of other people. And the first thing Vicky said was, I feel like I belong. Because it was just a whole group of childless women, you know, and she just felt so, um, her, in her words, she just, I just felt so good. I felt like I belong somewhere. And um, so that's, that's what motivates me to, to go and visit people in our community because my job takes me around Australia. And um, yeah, and I, I'd like to do that. So I've got a few people lined up already. I've got Portland, Oregon again. Yeah. There you go. Because <laughs> well, I think and, that's important. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I was, when I was doing early research for the book, I ended up, something popped up through the New York Times and it was an article about Karen Malone Wright and doing the Not Mom Southern in Cleveland, Ohio in 2015. And I'm like, what? I better go there. And she told me later, I was like the first person the first paid registrant that signed up. And then I got there early and I, when they opened up the registration desk, I was like, it was like Christmas morning. I went down there and it's like, what, what is this? And it was so exciting. And then to sit in that hotel ballroom, knowing that there was not a single person in there that was gonna ask me if I had kids. And she just did a masterful job of, of setting up the dynamics so that we were all included. And then she did it again two years later and hopefully someday we'll, we'll do it again because that was the beginning of recognizing that, wow, there's people all over the place that are experiencing exactly the same stuff as I'm either experiencing now or I'm getting ready to experience or I experienced in the past. It's just, what? So cool, isn't it? <laughs> it's so cool when you reach out and you're like, my people are here. <laughs> yeah all we want to do is belong and I don't think that's I don't think that's too much to ask and I don't think I don't think that people who have kids want us not to be included I I just think we have bought into the I think Jody uses the word somebody else does about invisibility um and it makes perfect sense because we have some things we need to do personally but but we are 100% not alone and that, that was completely lost on me and I thank my time living in the rural area for that it kind of it kind of really pumped up the need to know that I wasn't that got me to go out into the world and do exactly the work that I needed to do and and I'm so grateful for having done it so so I get to hang with people like you. <laughs> so, so what's next for Kate Kaufman? Oh, well, okay. My, my mission is to, um, there was, there, there was two studies that came out at the end of 2016 that said that those stigmas and stereotypes that I referred to before have not shifted um, since they were first studied in the, the late seventies. And so my life purpose is to do everything I can do to help shift that needle um, towards more inclusive and, and, and helpful. So doing things like this, this is my happy place. I, I actually, 
I found a whole lot of connection through doing small face-to-face meetings. So, so being, being with people is my, my happy place, whether it's in a, a small environment. I, I, I had retreats scheduled to uh, offer um, a few months ago, but then the pandemic happened. Um, and so I see that in, as my future. And then just continuing keeping the conversation going in any way, shape or form. I cannot think of anyone who would ask me to talk about anything related to this subject, anything that I would I would say no to. And, and I wouldn't be 100% honest. And part of the reason I can do that is because I'm carrying around with me I'm a, a, woman, a woman in her late 80s who lives in New Jersey. Uh, she was the second person I spoke with and told my story to back years ago. And she and I have forged this, this, this connection and this friendship. I can ask her about anything. We had a, a, the most amazing conversation about sex the other day. Like, wow, Anne, this is, and she's a very spiritual person too. So that we can go from sex to deeply spiritual things. All under the umbrella of neither of us having had kids. And so she's someone that as she's nearing the end of her life, she knows that when she needs help, I will get to New Jersey, even though it's on the other side of the country, I will get there anyway, and I will stay there as long as she needs me. So I can see some of that paying it forward, if you will, but I think it's really more manifesting what, what our community is, can be, should be, um, and we're in the process of making it be, so. Yeah, it's, um, that resonates with me again because that's one of the things that I look at is uh, my my parents are aging. One's in a in a nursing home and mum's at home by herself. But um, yeah, it it certainly makes you think about what does that mean for us, you know. And so, um, like you said, we've got this massive community that are slowly coming together, and there's so much good that we as a community can do for ourselves and for those that come behind us so yeah i'm with you kate yes, I'm, I'm with you michael <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you sarah i'm with you every listener <laughs> you asked me about what was coming up for me and i neglected to say something and one of the things that's coming up for me is already there's books in the in north america there's a, there's a book in there's a, a book in the UK. It's not a translation. Duh. Actually, they didn't even turn it into um, the Queen's English. Um, I, there's a translation that was released in Taiwan, um, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Shanghai, this last like a few months ago, and it's in process now in Korea and um, China and Brazil, and so. I mentioned that because first of all, I'm just, it's like, wow, really? Like, let me, can I show you? Look at this. This is, I wrote these words and look at this. (laughs) It goes the other way. I can't read my own writing. You know, I can't read what I wrote. (laughs) And it's just such a weird, wonderful feeling. Oh, look at the back on this too. It's, wow. I was going to say, how does it feel? How does it feel to know this this 
this project that was so close to your heart is now just traveling around the world uh, and to many different languages, many different cultures. It feels, first of all, like it's not my life. It feels like, it feels like, it feels like I'm going on this trip with all of the people whose stories and all the facts and all the, the information that's included in there all over and that we all get to live in all these different places that, I mean, I won't go to all these places, I don't think. And yet it just kind of underscores that whole point is that we are everywhere. You know, someday we'll be, we'll be hopefully have a presence in the rainforest of Brazil for crying out loud. I have never thought of that either. Now I'm going to get choked up again. (laughs) 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 All of us, all of us are playing our part and it's all making, it's all making a difference, a huge Mm. difference to the people who follow us. There. And and I'm sure our listeners will, will love the difference you're making, Kate, both through your book and the fact that you're such a lovely person to talk to. Oh, thank you. And you as well. Thanks for the work that you guys do. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I could listen to you for hours. I have to be honest. I could talk to you guys for days. (laughs) 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 We're all going to... Well, let's go to Jody's. (laughs) And that's where we have to end our chat with Kate. But I'm sure you'd agree with us. It's a real joy to speak with her. Now, don't forget, we are also on the trinity of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And all those links can be found on our website, www.thefullstoppod.com. And you can also register for our newsletter so you can keep up to date with what we're up to. We would also appreciate if you could rate us on the platform you're using for listening to the podcast. The more ratings we get, the wider our spread, and the more of our community we can reach. And we'll put all of Kate's details in the show notes. And if you'd like to be a guest on a podcast or have a burning issue you think our community should be aware of, please go to our website where you can find a form to fill in. Don't forget, we love hearing from our audience and the feedback is fantastic. So please drop us a line at any time. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone.